News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC. I'm Harry Siegel here as always with Professor Christina Greer and Alex Brooklyn. Joining us today is Pervez Shawani, former Wall Street Journal crime reporter, Newsday food critic, and now my fellow senior editor of The Daily Beast. Shout out to Justin Miller of The Daily Beast and very unrelated to the Child Victims Act that takes effect in New York on Wednesday and already has lawsuits piling in and the Archdiocese of New York saying, at this point in time, we have no expectation of needing to file for bankruptcy protection as the suits pile in. One of those suits filed on the very first day of the one-year window for justice that this opens is aimed at the estate and the enablers of Jeffrey Epstein. And Pervez, who's broken a lot of the news about him over these past few months, including the uh, story of his arrest, joins us now to discuss. Pervez, yes. it's good to see you. Thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. So tell me about uh, miniature golf, how you've spent your paternity leave, and Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> how about this? <laughs> for the sake of our <laughs> listeners, even though there are some great pictures of Pervez and Harry working diligently on story after story on weekends. and they're On the mini golf Feral course? children having to play by themselves. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Thank- thankfully, our wives are, uh, are uh, keeping journalistic... Sanity. So, welcome to FAQ. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Okay, as Harry said, tell us a little bit about your work on the Epstein saga. You want me to go all the way back to, like, the beginning when we were sitting in, like... Let's touch down at Teterboro Airport. Fine. Great. Yeah. Sometime around 5.30 on July 6th, uh, Jeffrey Epstein touches down at Teterboro Airport from Paris on a private plane. The feds being the SDNY and FBI, uh, have been doing this covert investigation into him since November um, and had just handed down an indictment about a week earlier. There's an arrest warrant issue. So at that point, you know, there are multiple agencies looking for him. They get tipped off that his plane is on the way back from Paris and headed for Teterboro um, and then learn that he is actually on that plane. Um, at that point, the NYPD FBI task force is dispatched to Teterboro where when he lands, they arrest him. Now, how secret and covert was that operation just because Jeffrey Epstein's reach was so wide and he would often bragged about you know, knowing people in high places and authorities? Was this a, an arrest warrant that had Jeffrey Epstein's name on it or was it just sort of uh, person of interest, number one, we are, we're sort of... No, I, I mean, I don't know what was written on the, on the arrest warrant. I imagine Jeffrey Epstein's name was on the arrest warrant. There's an indictment at this point handed down with his name on it. So I imagine... His name is now mm-hmm. in databases as the guy they're looking for. You know, so if his passport uh, uh, or name shows up on a flight itinerary, he will be mm-hmm. flagged. Gotcha. And um, why now? Why July 6th? People have been asking that question. People, you know, several people afterwards like, why didn't they just wait till Monday? Because Jeffrey Epstein— Or why didn't I they mean, just do it 10 years ago? I mean— well, so. I mean, that's a whole different story, right? Uh, Ten years ago was a completely different investigation. SDNY wasn't involved in that investigation. There's renewed interest in this case in, I would say, 2016 after uh, there's a lawsuit filed. Um, And then the Miami Herald does this three-part series in November. And when that three-part series comes out, and the U.S. attorney in New York has essentially said this, uh, that when that series comes out, they launch their investigation. They do it covertly because they realize that Jeffrey Epstein, one, is a man of means, Mm -hmm. uh, two, 
has places he can go that he never has to come back to the U.S. And so I think, you know, the, I mean, they themselves understand that, like, if they don't do this covertly, he finds out. He's like Roman Polanski. I'm never coming back. Right. I'll just live on my sex island forever. Right. Okay. Does uh, the sex island have an extradition treaty? I know. Well, France days. doesn't. Right. He's coming from Paris, you know, could stay in Paris. Right. And isn't that where Roman Polanski is as well? Uh, I, I'll look that up. Okay. So anyway, okay. So he touches down from Paris. He's arrested. And, and this then, is on a Saturday. This is on a Saturday not afternoon. Totally incidental because that that's not commonly when you do this. If you have some ability to schedule, this could just be that his plane is landing. It has the benefit that he has to spend before a weekend, seeing right? yeah right before seeing a judge or or anyone else a weekend uh, locked up. Even initially at MCC, and I believe that that weekend is when he was in, according to some of the Daily Beast reporting, general population, right. which is not a good place to be if you're a billionaire pedophile. Right. And that's also like a, a fairly significant shock, I'd have to imagine, to somebody who in the course of his previous dealings with the legal system in Florida, you know, ends up getting a prison term in which he's got 12 hours a day of work release right. in which he's continuing to find girls, underage girls, for these activities. Right. So, so I mean, that when he was in Florida, is essentially an open door policy, right? He had to just check in in the evenings and sort of sleep there, but during the day, he was a free citizen. He, he, he had to be in this office, but he had people into the office. He had his procurers, and he seemed to have young girls going in. So this is, I think, the start of this real culture shock. The wait, I'm trapped in something I may not be able to get out of. And then he has, as we go forward, the indictment. You have this bail hearing right. where Pervez can take us through this, but like all this incredible information comes out about everything he had that would have made him very hard to uh, to ever get back if he decided to flee. Right. I mean, in the past, there have been people of you know his wealth, his means, who have been granted you know bail. They've been allowed to stay in their apartments on on you know very strict terms that they pay out of their own pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and Epstein was hoping to get that. He had spent. He gets arrested Saturday night. He, I imagine he shows up in Manhattan sometime around 7.30 or so, 8 o'clock in the evening, uh, and is booked and put into a jail cell at Manhattan Correctional Center. Uh, he spends Saturday, Sunday there up until about Monday morning when he has his, uh, when he has his bail hearing. At that point, he, they decide to continue the bail hearing, um, and so he spends several more days there. Then a judge says, okay, I'm going to wait until the week after – to make my decision or several days later to make my decision. So he spent some more time there. And what ends up happening, keeps pushing it back, is just the amount of information that the feds have learned in that time. What they've done within minutes after he's arrested is they have executed a search warrant at his apartment in on the Upper East Side. Um, and as far as that- Townhouse. Uh, Townhouse, right? Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Apartment. apartment. Sorry. <laughs> There's a they, difference. Let me, let me go back. They have, they have executed a search warrant at his mansion on the Upper East Side. And as part of that search warrant, they recovered multiple CDs uh, with photos of what appear to be underage women. Um, then they, and as, as, as underage cor- women, also known as girls. And along with those girls, there's a list that seems to be coded of names that seems to be potentially a blackmail list or something else of the other men who may have been with those girls. So something like A.D. would be Alan Dershowitz or like P.A. would be Prince Andrew or something like that? Allegedly and hypothetically for sure. Okay. There was no better uh, code system 
Oh, the code system is is pretty weird already. Is it's, it? Uh, like, just like, if you have an anecdotal code example off the top of your head, like, what would one of them... I'm trying to remember. I know the codes were mentioned in, in, in court that Monday, uh, and... I think they didn't show them, but they, they sort of gave... They listed a few, yeah. But, like, what level of code are we talking right. about? I mean, I think that's something along the lines of, like, under 18 or something like that. Like, you know, things that alluded to the fact that, like, this is weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not normal, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. he definitely is doing something sinister here, possibly, you know? Speaking of sinister, what else was in that safe? So then, as, as, as t- you know, his attorneys argue back, saying, hey, look, he's already done his time on this. Like, you know, I mean, the big thing for his attorneys always was, was there's this cooperation agreement from 10 years ago. Why, 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 is he being, why is he being asked to do this? Why is he being brought on charges again? That's, that's their big argument. And the cooperation agreement being Florida right. and, uh, you know, where he takes this plea, gets this very light sentence, and it actually extends a non-prosecution agreement Correct. to some of his enablers, although not just Lane uh, pronunciation – we're to be debated. Clear on. <laughs> uh, Maxwell is, is not one of the people who is protected from prosecution under that that deal, as we understand it. Uh, as far as yeah, as far as I know. Um, so so as as time goes on, you know, the two sides are arguing back and forth. You know, they're supposed to have a bail hearing on Thursday. They obvi- they end up pushing it back until Monday. And as the back and forth goes, the prosecutors are giving up more information on what they have. And on that Monday, they let out as part of their uh, their revelation. They find also, you know, they found diamonds, they found stacks of cash, they found uh, an Austrian passport with a Saudi Arabian address on it that is expired. That is a picture that looks very much like him. His attorneys claim it's never been used. They later find out it has been used. Uh, it has stamps on it. Um, they claim, you know, it's, it's something that people of Jewish descent who have traveled to Israel would have back then. Mossad that, agents. In the right. Way. It goes to the prosecutor's argument that this is a man who has a means of getting a passport with a fake name on it and can travel anywhere in the so world. So we open that safe and it's like the born identity safe. There's some diamonds. There's, there's some diamonds. passports. Right. There's like stacks of various right. money. There's, and are there pictures? Not just CDs, but are there actual pictures of? I believe there are. Young there women are, who look like girls <laughs> or girls' they children, have, raped children. Right. And on the wall are other photos. What was on the wall exactly? He has so so a couple of the things Epstein has in his townhouse is he has trophy photos of himself sure, right. with like Bill Clinton and Woody Allen. He has very Ooh. artistic nudes of very young looking women, like the very young looking women. And I say women because we don't know the ages of right. these people. So could be right. up on the walls. Underdeveloped like, four foot. This is not race. someone yeah. No, these are girls presumably with uh, you know, underdeveloped bodies. Um, being prominently displayed, it's like a trophy collection of different sorts for the crimes he's already been convicted of and now has been charged with again. But in between, we're talking about a decade where where he is. Uh, he claims he's gone clean. You know, he claims that he doesn't hasn't done this any a, a, again. Right. Well, his lawyers claim that okay, sure. he, he he's flaunting it. Right. I think in in just a straightforward reading, and for everyone who comes to visit him. And also, didn't he talk to a reporter last year from the Times, right? And sort of say, like, I don't, I don't understand why everyone's, you know, clutching their pearls about people having sex with underage girls. He spoke about on the background age of consent and- with James B. Stewart at the Times, um, who was interested in whether or not he had been consulting with uh, with Elon Musk. 
Elon Musk? That Elon, guy Musk. Elon. That fucking guy. Ellen, I was like, who is Ellen, Ellen Musk? Who's Ellen, who's Ellen Musk? Musk? <laughs> Ellen Musk. I was like, I really need to read more. <laughs> the monorail man. The monorail man. <laughs> no, Mr. I Let's Destroy the Planet. He I'll smoked just, like, weed with Joe Rogan and he one. dated a very uh, young looking, but not underage music. But person. Musk definitively says that Named this Grimes. did not. Yes. Definitively says this doesn't happen, and clearly Epstein is a uh, is a name dropper and a liar and his own sort of shitbag. He also is very suggestive. Speaking of this blackmail stuff, that he's got lots of stuff on lots of people and who they may have had sex with and what drugs they may have been using at the time. But he doesn't go into any specifics. This was all on background. Stewart decided with the Times's presumed seal of approval, hey, he's dead, and and uh, that lifts the background agreement and put all of this out. Um, it was sort of unfortunate because Epstein does seem like a wire, and this did seem like a way of just sort of conveying, in my view, this this wire's totally unsubstantiated information and and you know sort of majestic shit talking. Uh, but it also meant that Stewart had a view of the inside, and most of the people who have naturally aren't eager to talk because they're not eager at this point to share their their connection with this person Epstein, who's very belatedly recognized as as an unbelievably terrible person. While he's in MCC, he's also spending like 12 hours a day with his lawyers, right, which is all these ways in which money helps. So right. he doesn't get bail, and he's very not happy about that. And his suicide attempt, the first one, apparent, um, when he's locked up in this uh, in this special housing unit that's separated from the rest of the prison and meant to be protective, right, comes right after he doesn't get bail. And special housing unit does not necessarily mean solitary, does it? No. No. Okay. Um, th- this is for – Prisoners who've done bad stuff. So the guy he's in with, who's this uh, former police officer, Nicholas Tartaglione, who uh, allegedly uh, murdered four people. And um, well, I believe several of them were related, allegedly. Um, so Tartaglione says, and his lawyer, you know, that we tried to save him from this attempt. After that, he's placed on suicide watch. And that sort of ends that period of reporting. The authorities are putting out vaguely backgrounded information. Seems somewhat skeptical. He's only got white marks around his neck after this had happened. Right. Um, and then he's uh, taken off suicide watch, apparently at the request of his lawyers, the Wall Street Journal reports. Correct. And then is placed why, in a cell with the roommate. Would his, why would his lawyers want him off of suicide watch? I think – when you're on suicide watch, you're, you're wearing like horrible rubberized yeah. clothing that you can't take off. So there's no way at all you can possibly harm yourself. You're being constantly monitored. It's depressing as hell. So interestingly, after the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, when they finally got one of the main planners, his lawyer had a big series of complaints in court that my client's on suicide watch. And this isn't because my client's suicidal. It's because uh, the authorities want to humiliate him to have someone you know watching every time he goes to the bathroom. And to strip away any privacy or decency that's left in this, you know, uh, mouse and mold infested place where it's always too hot or too cold and nothing works. Right. Because you can't really have like bed sheets and shoelaces. No bed sheets, and, no shoelaces. Well, you can't I don't have, think shoelaces you have shoelaces anyway. Anyway, right. yeah. Right. No matter what. Well, that's you, why you, you can't have shoelaces in the, uh, the shoes that in the bullpen. So Epstein's lawyers argue that he should not be on suicide watch. He gets off of suicide watch roughly when. So it sounds like about a week or so before he en- actually ends up committing suicide, or allegedly okay. ends up committing suicide. Okay, okay so we have to, we have to do one. Okay. 
No, right, but, but I'm just going to put this out there because it is sort of That he was like, murdered? No, no, no. Oh. No, we'll get to that in a second. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the proper terminology is dying by, allegedly died by suicide, right? Because right? commit implies that it's a crime. Sure. And for a lot of families who have had loved ones who have died right. by suicide, they're trying to change the stigma of... My problem with that term, and the, the real problems with commit, obviously is that it's passively voiced. And suicide is an active action. Sure. So taking the criminality away, mm-hmm. um, if there was some 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 middle phrase that, w- that would be more helpful there, I'd, I'd really like that. But that might be a conversation for, n- for another I point. mean, honestly, like, as someone who's had suicide in my family, it's just people, if people need to grieve the way they need to grieve, they want it said the way they want it said. A lot of the family members that are left are very invested in the way something's looked at. For me, I'm just like, you know, call it what you need to call it. We all mourn the death. That's it. But like, I, I, I don't get caught up in the name. But for some people, right, it's exactly. important. So I'm just acknowledging to our listeners out there, um, we rec- we were all raised by the phrase "commit suicide." Sure. I mean, that was the right. big, you know, sort of PSAs that we all sort what, of what's, saw. What about killed himself? That's okay, right? I mean, that's just killed themselves. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're probably gonna cut some of this. Yeah, it's just getting a little, okay. <laughs> little, 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 little weeds. Little weeds. Little weeds. You want to do it again? In the depresso weeds. But um, so Epstein's taken off suicide watch about a week before he apparently takes his own life. Okay. Um, and he's put back into a cell in which he has a roommate still, uh, still under under unit. close watch, being watched every thirty minutes or so, um, by guards. And uh, is meeting with his lawyers uh, 12 hours a day. And are his lawyers uh, famous lawyers that we might? I mean, they're definitely, they're definitely lawyers who uh, represent people who have a lot of money. Yeah, well, I know that they're not like Jacoby and Myers, but, you know, it's like, but <laughs> no, offense, no, no offense, offense, no disrespect. I was going to say, no I wasn't dis- going there. No I got to deal with these guys still. <laughs> Jacoby and Myers who advertised on TV my whole childhood during, you know, uh, court TV. But, you know, but it's not Alan Dershowitz. It's not Alan Dershowitz, okay, as far as I know. But it's yeah. Alan ostensibly Dershowitz a dream team of very— regrets having previously defended right. Epstein, and his name has come up in uh, uh, Quite a few times, Virginia right? Roberts' defamation suit. suit that's right. now been unsealed against Ghislaine, pronunciation TK, Maxwell, who incidentally is the daughter of Robert Maxwell— the British financier and Murdoch rival, uh, and and by all accounts, like horrific human being in a bunch right. of ways, who uh, mysteriously dies, possibly in a suicide, uh, when his body vanishes from his yacht, right. the Gislaine or Gislaine. Um, Cy Hirsch had reported that this was in fact because he'd helped uh, create Israel's nuclear program, but. Uh, what in the world? I know, I know. Uh, there, there are there are some very strange There's tendrils some, in different yes. directions here. That Gislaine's father crazy helped create. Yes. Okay, not yes. Alan Dershowitz. And Correct. He, and he dies <laughs> on a boat. Stay up here. Names, stay up here. <laughs> name the Gislaine. <laughs> right. And she she's the uh, the, the by, by most accounts like the uh, the favorite daughter. Um, his ex wife, his earlier wife, wrote an incredible memoir about what a uh, horrible and deviant person he was. That that, that actually. Surprisingly, made very little splash at the time, maybe because he had enough power in the press at that point that people didn't want to. When he died, he was in a Trump-like level. Trump famously turns to Ivanka at one point when his casinos are going bankrupt, right? And he points to a homeless guy on the street and says, you see that guy? He's got $2 million more than I do. Um, Maxwell was about $4 billion in the hole uh, when he possibly killed himself. So back to the present and the best people in this cell. Right. 
So he's in the cell till essentially Saturday morning. And is is he does he have a cellmate again? I'm sorry. Does he have a cellmate so again? So it's it, it appears he had a cellmate at least until about 24 hours before he is found. Um, what happens to that cellmate? Uh, or why he didn't have a cellmate is, I think, one of the uh, the areas that is being probed. From what's been reported out there um, by multiple uh, news organizations at this point is that he was supposed to have a cellmate, um, and he didn't at the time when that when his uh, suicide occurred uh, or apparent suicide occurred. Um, New York Post said that uh, the MCC correction officers had been working overtime for an extended stretch right. during that window. And so that's a whole. He's no- found at like six thirty. He's found right. at six, roughly six thirty. And one was not a corrections officer, right? Right, and what? But what that means is a whole other. You know, I mean, this uh, was a former corrections officer right. who transferred to another role inside the prison. They have this thing in the federal prisons called augmentation. Right. Where anyone who works there, as you get trained at the start, can be called on to work as a corrections officer because there had been a hiring freeze, which Bill Barr, who controls the attorney general, also controls the Bureau of Prisons, had recently lifted, right? All of these prisons are really badly understaffed. And so they're using augmentation and making people, including at the MCC, who aren't day-to-day corrections officers go to work. MCC has a particularly bad problem because it's in Manhattan. I mean, that it's expensive and people, you know, have to like drive to get there. And our colleague Michael Daly is reporting that, that like, look, you know, it's pretty likely that this one officer is working his fifth day of overtime. Right. So these are like 16 hour days. Yeah. Is, people is should, sleeping, they're sleeping, sleeping in, their in their cars. cars. Yeah. I mean, uh, also, you're talking about officers. Right. We're talking about Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens. Where exactly yeah. is MCC located for our listeners? I mean, right down, you know, a few blocks from City Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the tip of, of right at, Manhattan. Right. right or right near, near the Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge. Right on the edge of Chinatown. It's like an embassy, so it's mm-hmm. not really – it's in the city, but it's not quite of the city. And all the information we get is sort of just being leaked from originally prison officials and now from the Department of Justice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and leaked, you know, in, in dribs and drafts. Sure. Yeah. So back to Epstein. Supposed to have a roommate. Some For some reason, he's got a single for the night. At least single for several for, – For several at, at least at the point where he is, he is found. Okay. At, at least he's found in a state of distress. And the guards do what? Their routine check? or The guards it- are supposed to be doing routine checks. I've seen reported mostly 30 minutes. I've seen somebody report up to 15 minutes within his case. And apparently, they hadn't been doing those checks. They had, you know, There's reporting that they'd fallen asleep. There's reporting that they'd missed multiple checks uh, throughout. Uh, is there video? There, so there is video. Sh- I mean, there's no video of the actual cell itself, apparently. But there is video that shows the guards walking back and forth, and you would have seen them on video at specific hours uh, actually if going they, to do their checks. If they right. had done their proper right. Why checks. is there no video of the cell? Do you know, Harry? I don't fully know the answer to that. I would assume that privacy concerns right. are part of it. Um, How so would you have videos that would be, that every would be my single guess. cell? Yeah, you can't, you can't monitor every cell. You monitor choke that 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 well well that might be a capacity issue but there's also a real panopticon issue that the prisoners are still human beings right. you know there's a chance that the Epstein estate could sue um although west now that it's reported that he was taken off at the uh, request of his attorneys attorneys exactly you know uh but 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 they have some privacy rights and expectations even within a, a prison so that if you're peeing or no cuz you can be off or, or reading a book that you're being checked on frequently, but not that, that you are constantly on, on video uh, within a cell. I believe that that is different when someone is on suicide watch, but he was not. Correct. And he was in a cell by himself. And these guards who, who apparently back 
faked her paperwork afterward, slept reportedly, now I'm seeing, for three hours, which, which is a long time. Look, but also not a surprise if these guys are working overtime shifts, essentially not going home to, you know, their families. I mean, you would think that when you have a high-profile prisoner like this, and I understand you mm-hmm. want to treat him like everybody else in the general population, and you have lots of reporting at this point and, uh, and evidence that the Bureau of Prisons is understaffed, overstretched, uh, all the way up to the levels of the highest levels of federal government, that somebody would call down and say, hey, let me send you some resources that you might need to handle this, you know. Uh, and it's, I'm intrigued to hear why that didn't happen. And it came up when Bill Maher was being confirmed to be the attorney general. So, you know, he's saying we're, we're, we're now discovering how terrible the conditions here had been. Uh, but, you know, we have this trail in his own words, like this wasn't, secret. My guess is that they have lots of high-profile prisoners there. You know, I was doing this clip check and just reading about old cases sure. and everyone yeah. everyone who's anyone who's a, a monstrous criminal is. He's passed <laughs> through these halls. Right. Uh, so so in some ways, I think he was just a regular piece of shit to them that, that this wasn't El Chapo. Um, that they didn't take this first attempt so seriously as an attempt. And that, again, he has all this money and has done this, which Trump has done in very different settings, like this exhaustion legal strategy where you're just constantly grinding down, arguing every small point. You have infinite resources to do that. And usually that's where the feds are. Like they have the infinite resources and try to exhaust the other person. With very wealthy people, that can change. Right. Spending all this time out of his cell. You know, he, he's trying to say, I'll pay infinitely to to be able to, to, to wait out trial in my townhouse. Right. And you can monitor me all these ways, which gets rejected. And then finally, through whatever combination of his resources and the under-resourcing of this prison system, where we're literally just locking up more people, it's almost like teachers or other things, like you, you can measure how much you care about how much money you put in. If it's important to lock up this many people and it takes this many officers to, to watch them, you either are willing to make supply and demand meet or you're not. And up until this point, we hadn't been. And this is why, in part, we have all these questions, one part. You know, wait a minute, what, like, like, did this guy really just kill himself? And if he did, who, who might have helped? And, of course, at MCC, like at every prison, there's a legion of, of stories about officers smuggling in cell phones. Drugs. Being involved in their own well, ways in, the in criminal activity. What the Justice Report said that at Rikers, uh, I believe it was 2015, 2016, the Justice Report said that at Rikers, at least 50% of the drugs that came in were through the mm-hmm. COs. And that's why there was the whole brouhaha over the decision to restrict visitation for inmates because of all the drugs that were coming in, almost as a punitive measure against that justice report, even though it was the COs that were said to be bringing in at least 50%. So in all this great reporting that you all have done, um, one of the stories I read was, you know, sort of Epstein allegedly was kind of um, mentally deteriorating. And they mentioned something about him, like, you know, eating his food off of the floor. Is that to sort of... Is that Harry Siegel who that, reported that? That was so, Harry Siegel. That was all Harry Siegel. Walk us through, like, so how does that fit into this larger narrative? Is that, you know, saying, okay, he was suffering from, say, a mental breakdown and they should have taken his possible previous suicide attempt more seriously? Or did they just think that he was acting so that he could get even more special treatment? What does that really mean? We're itching to find out. And obviously the conspiracy theories aren't waiting for those answers. And the conspiracy theories are understandable to the extent that you're talking about a very wealthy man who was sexually abusing children who'd paid no significant price for this ever until very recently and had paid no price at all for, for, for many, many years. 
Um, and just when you look at like the pictures that are coming out now and, you know, Virginia Roberts, uh, Naomi Campbell's birthday party on a yacht, you know, sort of standing by herself next to the powerful people or Prince Andrew's arm around her sort of reaching down where her pants are. It's really outrageous. And, and today is the day that as we're recording on Wednesday, the Child Victims Act is coming into effect in New York. The Child Victims Act means that survivors have more time to bring our abusers and the institutions that may have protected them to justice in the courts. This is a big deal. We now have this one-year window where the statute of limitations for, for very serious crimes is now lifted entirely. Victims have until they're much later into their adult lives. 55. Mm-hmm. 55 to file a civil suit, and I believe 28. it's 28 to file a, cr- a criminal, criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, charges. And already, you know, the lawsuits are pouring in. One of them aimed at uh, Epstein's estate, um, at, at Ghislaine, uh, pronunciation TK, and three unnamed uh, members of the household, including one uh, procurer of these girls. There's this window now for, for some of this to be resolved, but when things don't get resolved for decades, you you allow for conspiratorial mm-hmm. Fears to really develop, um, and then we, of course, we have a conspiracist in the uh, White House. Um, you know, and we, birtherism to start with. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, a Ted Cruz's dad killed JFK. Um, the Clintons probably did every crime ever, and now he's retweeting, you know, Trump supporters saying uh, um, the Clintons probably did this. You know, because Hillary Clinton, she, she wasn't so great at winning the presidency, but she, her ninja suit skills are right. But my unrivaled. question is, unrivaled, right? even even reasonable people out there are going, really? I mean, well, I'm I think- shocked by I'm shocked by the number of people within minutes, if not within hours, and over the next couple of days, who have like people who good friends, family members who want to push conspiracy theories regarding or just assume this. he was murdered. I mean, right. having. I've gone through the CO training at Rikers. I've read complaint after complaint about various, like, CO stuff and cover. Like, it is not so crazy that in New York you have someone on trial right now that used to be a vice cop who ran a brothel. You have just tales of conspiracy after conspiracy to commit crime, cover murders, kill, like, it isn't so nuts that you think somebody wanted somebody gone and – they found out a way to kill a guy in a yeah. New York City jail. I mean, the- sure, but I think I think you so also have prison. I think you also have people who just have a hard time believing that a guy this rich and you know and this, this want narcissist- this wanted this narcissistic would essentially be allowed to die out of gross negligence and incompetence. I think, you know, people have a really hard time believing well, I, that. Well, I don't have a hard time believing that, but I also don't have a hard time believing. Right. I, it doesn't have to be some wild, like, nonsense, Pizzagate bullshit to get a guy dead in New York City prison jail system. Right. So, okay, so I'm of multiple minds about this, right? Because on the one hand, it's like you have this horrible person who never thought that he'd get busted. He was Teflon for so many decades. He right? had an so island. Like, all of a sudden it's like I'm touching down in Teterboro. It's like, oh wait, this, you know, this homecoming took a turn. There's one. Two, I think Mayor de Blasio alluded to this. Like there are all these things that just, you know, sort of it's like, okay, so you don't have the roommate, the guards aren't really, you know, doing the walk-bys that they should. Like it just sort of it smells a little weird. Maybe we should look into it. But then the th- the third part is like, I'm black. I grew up in this country. We know, like, there's a healthy 
<laughs> suspicion of the federal government because the federal government loves to kill black people, like officially, like in documents, right? So it's like we know that syphilis in Tuskegee is real. We know that sterilizing black women in Miss in Mississippi and Alabama was real. We know that the the federal government killed Fred Hampton. We know about COINTELPRO and like infiltrating black organizations then and now, right? We know about black identity extremism and like how they're trying to infiltrate Ferguson and all these Ferguson leaders are dead. Like, so black folks are always, you know, I'm not speaking for all black folks, but I'm speaking for the ones who agree with me. It's just like, <laughs> we know the capacity of this government to destroy people when they feel like it. I mean, so, or just... But also to I think do it in bulk without targeting anyone within prisons that are not really meant to be good or healthy lockups, that are not meant to be good or healthy places, where it's like there's just going to be a lot of black people in there, and, you know, we're going to cull whatever percentage of them in the course of things. Without without targeting people, without getting conspiratorial, right? Or maybe that's a, a much deeper sort of conspiracy. It's like we are just going to lock people up, and some of those people are not going to make it out. Some of the ones who make it out are going to end up. Back yeah, well, there. I, mean, I you, don't. You th- I, think, I don't Thomas think that's Jefferson. fair to say. I think there are ta- there's a, there's been like documented case after case about ta- very specific targeted individuals in New York City jails. Yeah, well, I would say across the country, but you can also read Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin and see how they struggled with sort of the idea of U.S. chattel slavery as an economic endeavor to sort of control the markets. So, like. The prison system in the 21st century is essentially the same conversation. So they're not specifically targeting every single black man individually by name, but it is an in mass conversation. So that's why I think that there is this healthy suspicion of, okay, we have someone who is a multi-billionaire who's somehow connected to two of the five living presidents. Prince Andrew, Woody, Al- I mean. I, well, Woody Allen. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like, you know. Two, two birds in a, in a nest. But you see what I'm saying? So I think there are a lot of people who are like, the same protection, even though El Chapo was like borderline Houdini escape artist, one would think that someone who was so closely allied to power and also governmental power would possibly, even in a place like MCC, would have some sort of provisions to make sure this didn't happen because you are going to have a day in court at some point. And... What, Friday, before Epstein is is found dead, is when a 2,000-page indictment comes out that, you know, looks a little sketch. I think think there's a couple of things that I'm interested in. One, I I think a lot of people have been – and I'm shocked at the the news organizations who are doing this – who will say – this 2,000-page document comes out the day before he's found a dead, a dead, dead. There is no indication at all that he even knew this he came knew that? out. Okay. He's sitting in a prison cell in the bowels of, you know, Manhattan. He knew uh, it was coming, though. I, I'm not saying he didn't know. I'm saying he Maxwell does he know. settled this case with Roberts sure. for an undisclosed whatever, right? Presumably a lot of money, but we don't know. And this federal judge said, for the public interest, this stuff can't all be secret. So right. this is actually very, in a good way, anti-conspiratorial. And like, we're going to put all of this into the public eye. Right. And these are not And where's Maxwell's money party. from? Her father, I would imagine. But I thought her father died broke. But he still had assets? The family had a large fight over those assets following his death. She ended up in a much weaker financial position, which seems to relate to how she ended up connecting with Epstein in the first place. And he became... While working with this guy, Wexler, who owns the company that owns Victoria's Secret, which is its own set of very mysterious stuff. She became his his enabler at some points, reportedly his girlfriend, although it's not clear if that's accurate. Um, and uh, by many accounts of victims, uh, um, his main procurer and the instrument who, who brought him 
The girls. What he, yeah, the girls and, and what he needed for his biological need to, to, to have this happen three times a day. I have right. two questions, two big questions. One is, I am constantly, how, I'm shocked at how you two guys can just so easily dismiss that there was anything conspiratorial. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing that. I, 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 yeah, fist bump. I'm not. But I think that's a, there's a really high bar here, I think, right. to get, mm-hmm. to, to, get this to that. This is what reporters I mean, I think, do. I think, I think, you know, look, you have the OCME, the medical examiner in New York City, saying they believe this is a suicide. You have all levels of law enforcement believing this is a suicide, you know. Uh, you have plenty of evidence that – You got to sh- see me in Chrissy's face right now because l- l- law enforcement, they lie. Shh. Not all the time. It's very hard for them to lie on this many levels with this many sources and this many people talking to the likes of us for everyone to hold to a lie if they're people who don't really believe it. I just don't feel – I don't see the story falling apart. Epstein's suicide was first reported before ABC put it out in the mainstream way on 4chan by by someone who appears to be some sort of crypto-Nazi and also possibly an EMT. Um, So I think that's been disputed. The The FDNY has – Come out and said that wasn't one of our guys. But. Yes, but but that of course I, right. I would argue they're going sure. to. Right. Um, right. I, I'm just saying that that there is so much information out there, and what reporters are supposed to do is put out facts, right. and over time synthesize those facts and frame them in a context. I'm not at all dismissing the idea that there could be a conspiracy. The facts that have emerged up until this point, and partly because the officers' union which has been very upset about understaffing for years, has been pushing this narrative hard, and suddenly people are really interested who weren't previously, right? Mm. But for a whole bunch of other reasons, if, if something really deeply conspiratorial and tied to our politics happened, like those facts will emerge. Talking about it before those facts emerge is in every sense counterproductive. It's counterproductive kind of conclu- if, if it isn't true. Way. And if there is a conspiracy, you know, you're muddying the waters and putting out like fake information and, and, and just screwing up the signal to noise ratio exactly. by declaring it beforehand. Shout out to Joe Scarborough. Um, <laughs> Duh. So, but Look, I mean, point, I, I, oh. I think one of the big problems here, right, is like in the age that we live in, the conspiracy theories just build on themselves so quickly and organizations that do investigations – just don't know how to put information out fast enough on the facts that they've gathered. They just they, – they're not – you know, like why are they allowing sources on background to do this? There's no reason why they cannot be putting out stuff as they get it, you know, uh, on a regular basis to say, okay, we suspended two guys. Why did you suspend them? What did you see? And not you the know? warden, by the way. They suspended the two officers. Right. So they're they on administrative the warden, leave. Right? And right. they the transferred move. the warden out but did not suspend him, which the union is, again, I think pretty reasonably upset about. Like, oh, so so this is going to fall to our two members who, you know, uh, uh, fell asleep and not to anyone else? I mean, I think the warden comes into question here because the warden ultimately is the one who's making these staffing decisions. You know, they're the ones who have to sign up on staffing decisions. The warden has to sign off on him coming off suicide watch. The warden has to, you know, be briefed on what uh, the mental health professionals are finding, you know, in conversations and in evaluating Jeffrey Epstein. So, you know, I think a lot of the questions also rely on, and I'm not sure we'll get these because obviously there are uh, are laws that protect. Uh, well, there's the HIPAA laws. HIPAA laws that, yeah. that protect against, you know, what information can and cannot come out. So, like, what is he saying to to well, to, to, to the psychologist? I do who's remember talking to him? interviewing someone who used to for a very brief time. She was a she ran the Bing, um, which was. Solitary confinement 
in a point in the 90s in Rikers, uh, was one of the buildings. And she said that one of the things that really hurt her and hit her the most, and one of the things she's never probably going to get over in her life, is that she had to assess things like, is this person faking it? Are they faking it for the purposes of just getting out of solitary? Are they faking it for the purposes of getting out of prison? Or are they actually at a breaking point where the fact that they're beating their head in against the wall are they going to beat their head against the wall until they die because they're there or are they faking it and just like taking a little bit of damage to try to get out and making those kind of calls is must be you know horrifying but yeah so there's stuff like that that you know it's very hard to discuss when you're a medical professional in those situations one more question to you guys harry and pervade since you guys are reporting on this what now like what are the prosecutors going to do now He's not alive anymore, so at some point the charges are going to probably be dropped against him. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but what about the investigation? All- so the investigation is far from complete. I mean, you have you know uh, the attorney general as well as the local U.S. attorney saying that you know they will continue. Uh, they've been, they've been getting all these people coming forward and talking to them. I mean, the last count I heard was you know in the tens, but that was weeks ago. So it could be much more. They're gathering all this evidence that they recovered, not only from his uh, mansion in Manhattan, but also a search warrant that was executed at his home on the Virgin Islands. So they, you know, and this stuff takes time to go through. Uh, You know, some of the stuff is probably password protected or whatever. So as they go through all of that information, they may find new evidence that allows them to go and charge people who are accomplices of his, people who have helped him, people who have helped him cover it up. The U.S. attorney here, Jeffrey Berman, to his great credit, has, in all of his public statements, put the victims at the forefront of this in a way that is very uncommon uh, for for prosecutors, let alone in a uh, Republican appointee and a Republican mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to say, he's a Trump appointee. He, he's been clear that, that their interests should come first here and that anyone who comes forward, those will be protected and, and very consistent in stressing that. He's also stressed that uh, the case against Epstein included a conspiracy component and that that investigation is ongoing. Uh, One big question at the moment, of course, is where in the world Europe possibly wanted people are hearing is Ghislaine Maxwell, who we should mention has uh, consistently denied any criminal wrongdoing uh, at the moment. So what next with, uh, say, the execution of his estate and his brother, like, is everything frozen until all of this, well, these I, legal actions? I mean, is there a resolved? will? What is the will? You know, uh, will if, all of that be frozen as possible to hold it for possible compensation of victims mean, once investigations? I, I are think, I think complete? what's going to happen is I think you're going to have uh, federal prosecutors possibly going after that, uh, using you know whatever laws they have at their disposal to go after his estate, uh, that and specifically anything that was used in the process of a crime to try and um, and give compensation to the victims. That's a very long process. You have civil suits also coming against his estate, one the first of which was filed this morning, um, also trying to get compensation for alleged crimes that were committed. So, I mean, we live in a pretty, uh, starting today, uh, Wednesday, when we're recording this, we live in a really interesting time. We, there are, you know, ambulance chasery type ads but instead of did you slip and fall in front of a city building it's mm-hmm. were you sexually assaulted by anyone as right. a child and it's incredibly surreal as you know these sex abuse claims have been all over the media part of the reason is is that in new york there's been a change in the law that gives people an opportunity to file claims for sex abuse even if they happened 30 40 50 years ago but there's only a short window of time to file claims for that consent is not a defense if you were under 18 and you were sexually abused you have, you a, claim. have a claim you have a claim you have a claim.
it's been an incredible couple of years. Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement that emerged from that. There was Brett Kavanaugh hearings, which many women kind of folded into this era of really sussing out where the line is, how we're going to rewrite the social contracts around young women And the statute of limitations, right? right? right. Some people were saying, it's like, well, this happened in high school so long ago. Get over it. You know, and a lot of the boys will be boys culture as well. Boys will be boys. And and not the fact that, like, a lot of these victims are walking around with consequences, mental, physical consequences of things that happened to them as children. And we're seeing a lot of that now. We had senators uh, come out with their own stories of sexual assault to kind of support this Child Victims Act. And so it's a really interesting time. It's both surreal and really profound. And, you know, I, I shy away from the word triggering, but especially with Me Too, the last several years, Brett Kavanaugh, a lot of women, a lot of victims have said that word uh, Shout to out to yeah. Bill Cosby, who is presently appealing his conviction, arguing that the women who testified against him, the many women who testified against him, did not actually show a pattern of behavior. Uh, the pattern being uh, drugging them so they were unconscious and then having sex with them, in my view. Um, and that consequently his conviction should be overturned. And well, it's just 60 women, Harry. I mean, 60. Six, I, I think zero. it was a handful of them who testified at the tr- at the right. uh, latest mm-hmm. trial. It was one at the first trial where, mm-hmm. where the jury hung. Um, and they're arguing that legally that this was unfair and this could create a very dangerous precedent if they win that argument. And shout out to a few of our Beast colleagues, to uh, Emily Sugarman, whose report on Jeffrey's younger brother, Mark Epstein, and the connections between the two of them is essential reading. Mark says that he won't share any of his financial information because if Donald Trump doesn't, then he certainly doesn't have to. Uh, Shout out to former beast Brandy Zadrozny, who was covering Epstein uh, closely in the years when a lot of people's attention had moved on. Um, and of course, to uh, Katie, Katie Baker, Baker, who's kept this going all along. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she's the she's been the glue. Lucky for the beast that she's been around. Oh God, this bless. whole time, you know, Kate to, keep, Brickley. to keep the whole yeah. I mean, I can't shout out Katie Baker enough for just like supporting and uh, helping young female reporters, not just female reporters, but a lot of young female reporters in that newsroom uh, to follow stories of sexual assault and misconduct. Uh, well, I mean, we are, you know, going back to your point, Alex, in this interesting moment, I mean, R. Kelly is currently in custody, right? And he was picked up outside of his Trump Tower apartment in Chicago whilst walking his dog and then was brought over to Brooklyn. So and there's now Minnesota that's that, looking into him and yeah. Atlanta will probably follow suit at some point. I don't so. think these are crimes that men acknowledged were crimes or women. I don't think people acknowledged that this kind of sexual assault for girls was crimes. We were talking before the recording about asking people, have you ever committed rape? And those people saying no. And then asking those same people, have you ever kind of coerced someone? Have you ever kind of done this in different phrasing? Um, And there's just a disconnect with people from a generation. By the way, speaking of disconnect in other generations, Roman Polanski lives between France and Poland. Okay, thank you. Well, I think what to me pervades, and this goes back to some of the reporting that you and Harry and your colleagues have done is how these open secrets were allowed to exist for so long, for so many men, but definitely Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, I was watching 30 Rock and there's like a joke about Bill Clinton going on like, you know, some billionaire sex plane, like to the Caribbean. And so clearly people have known about Epstein since, you know, the Miami or the Florida 
uh, prosecution, non-prosecution. And definitely since the um, Miami Herald came out. Yeah, and so how is, I mean, I'm just, I think my brain, I'm trying to wrap my brain around the fact that it seems like so many people have known about this man for so long and he was just able to exist even after his Florida conviction, just an open society, essentially like, yeah, I served my time, but wink, wink. I'm still going to get to do what I want to do. I think rich and so. powerful feel like they can, I mean, you know, you have the president talking about grab him by the, you know, well, you know what, yeah. you know, it's like they just feel like they can do what they want. And society or maybe even not society, screw society is probably their attitude, you know, uh, but that there aren't going to be legal consequences here. Or if there are legal consequences, they're not going to stand it. up. You know, I think you have a cultural shift. I think you, you know, I, I don't think these things shift overnight. I think they take decades. Yeah, shift, and I'm sure you, you can look at pushback. And, right. Absolutely. They go like this. You know, there's an up and down always. You know, you, you, you might take 10 steps forward. You'll take two steps, three steps, maybe even seven steps back. But as long as it keeps moving forward, and I know that's maybe the, you know, I think the realist in me, but maybe, you know, you might say the optimist in me. Uh, yeah, because it's like 10 step forward, I mean, you also steps have back. You know, sometimes, and sometimes that happens too. Look, there's no right, you know, scenario for this. You have Lindsey Graham getting angry that Kavanaugh would even be questioned, but you also have prayer circles for R. Kelly. But at the same time, you do have R. Kelly right. being held uh, without bail. Money Look. talks. Young women are a form of a currency for a large swath of male culture. I think but that they always have. those things are constants. <laughs> and the question is what happens in terms of legal consequences and social opprobrium for people who behave those ways and, uh, and, and violate girls. But I think you also have cultural shifts in what people are willing to accept and not willing to accept. I think if you looked at our parents' generation and what they're willing to accept and what they're not willing to accept versus what our generation is willing to accept and which, you know, the generation after us. And I can imagine my kids. I mean, I just look at my kids and, like, what they're absolutely not willing to accept. And also the way that, you know, parents, I'm not saying across the board, but are increasingly training boys, you know, how to interact with young women. You know, it's just it's, – it's a complete – you know, it's not, it's not going to happen overnight, but you're seeing daggers thrown at, you know, the way things used to be. Look, I'm not saying the NYPD or the district attorney's offices do this perfectly, but, like, they take rape more seriously now than they ever did 20, 20 years ago, you know? They prosecute it more than they ever did 20 years ago. So... That's a whole other episode. That's a right. whole other episode. I mean, like, I, I'm not saying, I am not saying, I am here. not, I am not saying that they got this down. And I'm not even saying that they're doing it right, but I'm saying that they're at least giving voice to it. Pervez, thank you so much. Back to work. Keep reporting. Thanks, Pervez. Thank oh, you for having me. You. What little that was a blast. Oh, there was another bump. Wonder Twins fist bump. Let's do our own. Okay. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC, a broadcast of Racket Media, is supported by a grant from Civil, a blockchain company reinventing the economics of journalism, and from listeners like you. Today, we recorded at Alex Brooklyn's rent-regulated apartment. We're normally headquartered and recording, usually, at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research. A special thank you this week goes out to Pervez Shalwani of The Daily Beast. And also, we want to welcome Victoria Mendez, the newest and first employee of Racket Media. Our executive producer, as always, is Alex Brooklyn, and Adam Kamara recorded and mixed today's episode. If you don't know, now you know. FAQ, NYC. I mean, in all of this, in all of this, the most credit goes to Harry's wife. Because if Harry's wife is not there... Are we recording this? Yes. <laughs> I've said this already to you. My cousin, Sarah... Sarah... Sheer Siegel? Yeah, we don't remember. Sarah! <laughs> Sarah! <laughs>